Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. And by way of kicking off this morning, I just want to do a quick recap of our first three parts to this series. And I started by saying this, that we are not born with a culture. We are born into a culture. I'll say that again. We're not born with a culture. We are born into a culture. In other words, we all come to think like the environment we grow up in. Is that fair to say? Let me say it this way. We are all shaped. We are all influenced by language, values, by laws, morals, our parents, community and society placed on us. We are conglomeration of the culture that we grew up in. Is that fair to say? So having established that, we weren't born with a culture, we were born into a culture. When we were born again, and that's a term the Bible uses for becoming a Christian, when we are born again, we are born again into a Another culture, a new culture. The Bible calls it a new and living way. As opposed to the old dead way of living, we were born again into a new and living way. And we used to sing the song, Walk Ye In It. We used to sing those songs with Old English. It was awesome. And so that's the truth. We were born into a culture and we were born again into another culture. And if you've ever struggled with your Christianity, it's probably because of the clash of cultures. You're used to doing a certain thing a certain way. You're used to thinking a certain way. You're used to speaking a certain way. And you come into a new culture and say, hey, we want to do that differently. And that's where the clash is. And so if you are struggling or have ever struggled with walking out your faith, welcome to the club. Some days I feel like I'm president of that club. Are you with me today? Because that's just the way it is. Are you with me? Because that's where the real challenge begins. When we walk into this new culture, I don't know about you, but I love travelling and I've had the privilege of being able to travel to many different parts of the world. And uh, some of those places I've been to do not drive on the same side of the road we do here in Australia. When I've driven in uh, America and I love, wherever I go, I love to hire a car and I love, I love driving and I love to drive in foreign countries. And so there we are in America. Now, I, I promise you, if I brought my culture of how we drive in Australia to America we're going to have a head-on collision. And I feel like it's, 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 a, it's a picture of how many Christians live their lives. We're forever having head-on collisions with God because we're doing it in the wrong lane. We're not embracing the new culture of the land. When I was in America, I had to do what they did in America. I couldn't do what I did in Australia. When I came into Jesus, I can't do what I used to do when I was living in the world. Does that make sense? Let me talk about another story. When I was in France, same thing. In France, they drive on a different side of the road. And I'll never forget one time I was in a taxi and this taxi driver was driving us all over France on the other side of the road that we are not used to. And there was this Frenchman who just ran out in front of us and the taxi driver had to shove on his brakes. And I just, I just uh, felt to be part of the culture. And I just said with my best French accent, Oh, imbecile! <laughs> and the taxi driver looked at me as if to say, This is my son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Embracing 
the culture of the land. Are you with me? That's what this whole series is about. We have been called to live in a culture that is different, a culture that is counter to the one that we see on television, the one that we see on social media. It's called God's culture, a kingdom culture. And that's at the basis of all this series is about. Are you with me today? Fantastic. And again, I just wanna say, in keeping with this counterculture series, today's message is the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. (laughs) Can I say that again? Today's message is the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. Are you with me? Why? Because Jesus didn't promise us certain things. Jesus didn't promise that it wouldn't rain when we were on holidays. In actual fact, He didn't promise if you ever move to the beach, you won't have rainy days. I've learned that. He didn't promise us those things. He didn't promise us that your favourite team in the World Cup soccer would win. He didn't promise us you'd never get broken hearted. He didn't promise us that we would become rich. He didn't promise us that you would lose people that are close to you. And this one hits home for us. He didn't promise that if you ever have a pet dog, he will live forever. We lost our little dog this week and had to have him put down. And it was a sad day in the Rainbow household. In actual fact, BJ said to me on the day that uh, Tobias went to doggy heaven or maybe doggy hell for him, I don't know. (laughs) He loved those he loved and he hated those he hated. And if you're on the hate, you're probably saying he's in, I don't know. But, but BJ said, Dad, I've never seen Mum cry so much. I said, I know, I was in hospital. I almost died and she never cried like that. <laughs> She's like, ouch, seriously. He didn't promise those things. But do you know what he did promise us? Among other things, one thing that Jesus was very clear about is that we would all, look to the person next to you and say all, that we would all face persecution. John chapter 15 verse 18 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is the words of Jesus. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world and that is the reason The world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. This is the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. The title of my message today would simply be this. A proper perspective and pathway for persecution. If we're all going to face it, we need a proper perspective of it. And we need a pathway for it. Are you with me? And we've been looking at the book of Peter, using that as our text to draw from throughout this series. And the book of Peter, 1 Peter, is all about Peter's writings to encourage the Gentile church that was being heavily persecuted. That was the premise of him writing this letter, to encourage those who were suffering extreme persecution. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening 
to you. Peter's trying to encourage him with this. Hey, if you've been persecuted, take heart. If you're being persecuted, don't let that surprise you. In fact, Jesus told us this would happen. And so Peter, like me, was trying to encourage them with the most encouraging message they never wanted to hear. That's one Peter. It's encouragement after encouragement about persecution after persecution. Are you with me this morning? And if you are living faithfully as a Christian, guess what? Don't be surprised if you face persecution. Why? Because Christianity is a battlefield, not a playground. I don't know what you were told when you first got saved, but Christianity is a battlefield and it's not a playground. Yes, we have lots of fun. Yes, there's lots of joy to be experienced. Yes, young people meet young people and they get married and and we have weddings and, and all that. There's lots of great things that take place within the Kingdom of God, within church, within Christianity, within our lives. But it's not all rainbows and butterflies. And Peter's trying to say that you will face persecution. And when it comes, don't be surprised. He said, don't be surprised when you face fiery trials. Now, that wasn't just a metaphor for Peter. That was something that was literally taking place for the early church. Nero was a horrible, horrible person who hated people in general, but he certainly hated the early church. And he used to get Christians and dip them in wax and basically use human beings as human torches for his own pleasure to create light in order for him to entertain his guests. And so when he says uh, fiery trial, he's literally talking about the fire that the early church faced. Having said that, many believe today that the church is undergoing greater persecution in the last decade than any other time in the history of the church. They said there's more Christians being killed per month. There's more churches being destroyed and there's more violent acts against the church. That's happening around the world today in our time. Maybe that's not our reality, but maybe for us, it's the persecution you receive when you don't get a second date because you valued and prioritised your purity. Maybe it's being ostracised by your family because you refuse to get involved in the conversations that they get involved in. Maybe you're being ostracised by the family because you're going to turn up to the Christmas dinner late because you chose to go to church on Christmas Day. It's all a measure of persecution. And maybe some of you are not facing persecution. And can I just offer a solution for that? Maybe we're not facing persecution because of how we're living our lives. You know, when I was younger, I played much soccer. And for the most part, I was in the game. I wasn't on the bench. And I remember when I was playing soccer and I'd look at the guys on the bench and a lot of the time, the guys were not engaged. And I remember the the coach saying, hey, when you're on the bench, I want you to be engaged. I want you to be watching because you can be called at any time. But invariably, by virtue of them not being involved in the game, they got bored, they got distracted. And I thought, man, you are not helping in any way, shape or form. And here we are on the soccer field. Here we are getting the tackles, taking the hits, sweating. And they're just sitting there just bored. Now, now, can I ask a question? If you were the opposing team, who's more of a threat to you? Those on the field giving their best or those sitting on the bench not even engaged in the game? 
Do you think the opposition really care about those who aren't even engaged? They're not even in the game. They're just sitting there. They're not even watching the game. They're just bored. They're twiddling their fingers. Or, or back in the day, we never had mobile phones, but you know, today it's just social media. Can you imagine? Can you imagine there's a game going on? They're not even watching the game. I promise you, the opposition is not worried about you. So maybe you're not experiencing some of this persecution. And I want to just help us move from where we are to where we need to be with no condemnation this morning. The enemy, however, will attack you if you put a strong, solid defence. Anyone who's played on the field of any sport know the tackles that come your way. The argy-bargy, the opposition. And so it is with our Christian faith because Christianity is a battlefield, not a playground. And so if you start getting in the game, what does that mean? That means you start praying. When you start coming to church regularly, not when you feel like it, the devil doesn't worry about that. I'm talking about, I'm making a commitment. And I've got to be next to death before I don't come to church. And we have a great example in Pastor Danny. That's Pastor Danny's weekly uh, commitment. Just he comes, he doesn't worry how he feels, he just comes. And it's incredible testimony to us and an encouragement to us. When you start tithing, you might get attacked. You might get some opposition. When you start singing praise, I was watching my wife today with a sore heart, lifting hands, worshipping Jesus. I know that was a choice and a decision that she made this morning. But she also made it 30 years ago. When I follow Jesus, I'm going to follow Him no matter what goes on in my world. I'll never forget that time I was in hospital and I was meant to be having a spinal surgery and it was Mother's Day and Kath was down to preach. And someone tried to discourage her from preaching. You don't have to be here. She said, if I can't be here on Mother's Day, how weak is my faith? And said, in other words, and, and on top of that, what can I do? He's in surgery. But she did rally the troops. And I don't know if you were here that morning, but Kath called us to prayer. And as a result of that moment, I never had surgery that day. I never had surgery at all because God supernaturally moved and the problem that was once there was no longer there. And they said, oh, we don't need to do the surgery anymore. It went from I'm in the line, I'm being lined up, I'm being prepped for surgery to you don't need surgery anymore. I'm glad I have a praying wife. I'm glad I have a wife who's in the game and not just on the bench. It does come at a cost and that can be taxing and that can be wearing and that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. See, the problem is our old nature. See, human nature seeks comfort. Our old culture, our old nature seeks comfort. It seeks pleasure. It seeks ease. Would you agree with me when I say that? that? That's the old way of living. We do whatever we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And we don't want it to be pushed. We don't want to be pressured. We want to do it in our own way, in our own time. And we seek to avoid conflict. We dodge any opposition 
and we choose to take the path of least resistance. That's the old nature. That's what we used to do. And so when the pressure is on, if someone's handing around a cigarette, if someone's handing around a bottle of alcohol, if someone's sleeping around, if we, we, we give in to all these things because we want to fit in. We hide our faith in Christ so that no one pokes fun at us. But here's the problem. The problem is the comfort we want, we never get. Can I just show you a little graph for a moment? If we look at this, we will see at the top, it says, we pursue comfort. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I pursue comfort. I I like comfort. I, I want comfort. When I listen to my old man, when I listen to the old culture, when I listen to the way I grew up, and so in pursuing comfort, what we do in order to pursue comfort, we avoid opposition. And in avoiding opposition, guess what it does? It weakens our faith. Yeah. And then when our faith is weak, our life becomes empty. Yeah. But here's the vicious cycle. Now our life's empty. Now we need something for comfort. Yeah. And what we used to do for comfort doesn't cut it anymore. So we need not only alcohol, we need more alcohol. Yeah. And then you go around again and we avoid opposition and, and our faith is weakened and our life's empty. So, so now, man, the, the extra alcohol, I need something more than that. So now it's drugs yeah. or it's sleeping around or it's buying something new. It's comfort shopping. It, it's whatever. And so the comfort we seek, we never actually get. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Alternatively, if we choose to live boldly, If we choose to take on this message and this series and choose to live boldly, guess what's going to happen? Let's look at this little graph here. If we choose to live boldly, we're going to face opposition. And when we face opposition, guess what happens? Our faith gets strengthened. And when our faith is strengthened, we become closer to Jesus. And that is the goal of our faith, to become more like Him, to become closer to Him. And guess what? When we're closer to Him, we are encouraged to live bolder again. And so the question is, again, no condemnation, but of these two graphs you've just seen, which one are you living in in the last seven days? Which one of those have you been living in the last 12 months? How many of us are hanging out for Christmas and hanging out for holidays and hanging out for presents and hanging out with these things just to feed the comfort? But we have an opportunity to live boldly. We've got a presentation coming up next week when we can invite people to church who would never normally come to church. The two best times to invite people to church. In other words, the two times that people are most open to coming to church more than any other time in the year is Christmas and Easter. And with Christmas just around the corner, it's an opportunity for us to live boldly. Run the risk of facing a little bit of opposition. They may say no, but guess what? They may say yes. And your faith will be strengthened. And you get closer to Jesus and you live boldly again. And you think, man, if I, if I can do that for one person, I'm going to look for someone else. Or we can choose to avoid yeah. opposition. And that's exactly what was happening in Peter's time. People were trying to avoid the opposition and Peter was saying, no, don't do that. Live boldly. Yeah. Face your opposition. Yeah. Let your faith be strengthened yeah. that you might be closer to Jesus. Yeah. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19 says this. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for He will never fail you. 
So if persecution is inevitable, what should we do when it comes? And so let me move from perspective to pathway. I want to highlight a few things out of this passage right now. The first one Peter says is simply this. When you're facing persecution, keep doing what is right. Keep doing what is right. He says, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases the Lord, keep doing what is right. Note, it says, if you're suffering in a manner that pleases the Lord. If you've got a hangover this morning, I dare say you're probably suffering. But that's not what Peter's talking about. Peter's not talking about self-induced pain. Peter's not talking about the pain that comes to us making dumb decisions. He wants kingdom decisions, not king dumb decisions. Thank you, Pastor Danny. Classic dad joke. But we've got to do what is right. Whether it's at work, university, schools, wherever we may be. Let's not cut corner. Let's not compromise our values. Righteous living is all about doing the right thing no matter what you're facing. Just do it because you know it's right. And doing what is right comes out of valuing what is right. So the question is, do we value what is right? Do we value it? You know, we're going to go on a time of Christmas and celebration and holidays. And for the most part, that's going to cost us money. And we're going to give presents to people we feel deserve it. But here's the question. Does God deserve our first fruits? Either that's a value or it's not. And if it is, we budget accordingly. We don't budget based on what's left over. We make the budget beforehand. Now, some of you may be going away, so you won't be able to come to church. But just because it's January, does that mean just because it's January, I'm not going to come to church? Or, or do we prioritise church? Because you're on holidays, do you know we don't read the Bible? Or do we value reading the Bible? Peter says, just keep doing what is right, no matter what you are facing. In other words, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Don't let comfort rob you this Christmas. Persecution strengthens our faith and comfort weakens it. Who wants a strong faith? Who wants a robust faith? Who wants to live boldly for Christ? Well, that comes when we do what is right. And as a result of doing what is right, you will face opposition. But don't give up. Don't give in. Don't compromise your values. Hold your line. Secondly, trust God with the results. Peter says, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. Why? For He will never fail you. Our daughter, BJ, went for the lead role in next year's musical at her uh, local school. And she was kind of listed to the last few. 
And on the last day of school at the celebration service, awards were given out of which she received some. But the thing she was most excited about is the announcement of who got the lead role for next year's musical, which is Footloose. If you're going to be in a musical, that's the one you want to be in. That's all I'm saying. And obviously she was excited about that. That was Thursday night, Wednesday night. But on Tuesday, we had little Tobias put down. So the day before she's about to hear whether she got this role or not, she lost her little dog. And there was a lot of tears. BJ, I know you said mum cried a lot, but I promise you, you were, you were very close second place. You were, you were right behind her with your tears. There's a lot of tears because of a big loss in her life. And someone said to Kath, oh, BJ can't lose the role on top of losing her dog. And I appreciate the sentiment of that. I appreciate the sentimentality of that comment. I think that would draw at the heartstrings of most people. I think that comment would connect with most people. But I loved my wife's response. I loved her response. Kat just said, that's not how it works. Now she's in pain, she's grieving. She said, we don't make deals with God. He's not a genie. I've lost a wife. Now you've got to give me that. He doesn't have to do anything. God's not your servant. God's not your bellboy. God's not your genie. He's Lord. Kath went on to say, we will trust God with whatever the result and we'll rely on His grace after that. Some of you right now are probably wondering whether BJ got the lead role or not. But I'm not going to tell you whether she did or not because it's got nothing to do with my point. Our faith is in Jesus, not outcomes. Would your faith be encouraged and strengthened if she got the role? And would your faith be weakened if she didn't? That's the problem. We have too many Christians whose faith is not in Jesus. It's in outcomes. And when God's being good, He's very, very good. And when He's not, He's a bad man. But faith says he's good no matter what. His goodness does not change. His goodness is not dependent upon my circumstances. He's worthy of my attendance at church no matter how I feel. He's worthy of my first fruits no matter what the circumstances are financially. God is worthy of praise when I don't feel like praising. And if I don't get the lead role, He's still Lord. And I'll still get to church on Sunday. And we'll still give. And we'll still serve. But the moment our faith becomes dependent on an outcome, that's not faith at all. That's witchcraft. That's new age thinking. 
That's old way of thinking. But we're in a new kingdom with a new culture. And it's a new and living way. And we're called to walk in it. Pastor Paul, our founding pastor, is walking this very journey. We are believing for a healing and I hope you continue to pray for Pastor Paul and his cancer journey. But what I love about Pastor Paul's faith is it's not based on an outcome. It's based on Jesus. We're going to pray, but our faith is not dependent on the outcome. I love the fact that Greg Downton is here and has been with us for many years. But in the last few years, he's had his MND journey. And I love the fact that he's lived bolder for Jesus with his diagnosis than he probably did even before. I'm encouraged by that. Has every day been uh, uh, a breeze? Not at all. It's been a wrestle. It's been a struggle. But man, Greg, we love you and we will continue to pray for you and your family and all those that are closest to you. We love what you are doing and what you are modelling. Amen. So we put our faith in Jesus, not in the results. Number three, if we get the band up, that'd be great. Let Him restore you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, He will restore you. Make you strong. Make you firm. And make you steadfast. Who wants to be strong? Who wants to be firm? Who wants to be steadfast? then don't turn to other things to restore you. Give it to Him. Don't turn to the substitutes. Don't turn to another relationship. Don't turn to sexual pleasure, relational pleasure. Don't settle for alcohol or drugs or a cheap substitute. Go to God with your pain. Go to God with your anger. Go to God with your confusion. And give it to Him. Have you ever found yourself when you're frustrated and angry saying, I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. Have you ever said that or is that just me? Well, can I just say, what you've just said is not a bad thing. But it's just aimed at the wrong person. What I learned a long time ago is that God has broad shoulders and can handle my tantrums. And so I made a decision a long time ago, instead of giving it to people, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to let Him have a piece of my mind. I'm going to let Him have my hurt. I'm going to let Him have my anger. I'm going to let Him have my confusion. You know why? Because He can handle it. Your wife, maybe not so much. Your husband, maybe not so much. Your kids, definitely not. But when we give it to them, but if we give it to God, He will restore us. There are days, if you saw me giving it to God, you'd say, man, are you even saved? I'd say, absolutely. Me giving my stuff to God is exactly where God wants me to be in those moments. People often ask me the secret of longevity based upon what we've done for a long period of time. And obviously I don't have time to go into all those things that would help. But one of the key things I would say is that you've got to learn to grieve all your losses. And I'd say as a result of our longevity, it's because I've grieved well. 
I recognise any loss in my life needs to be grieved. And I think there's people who lose lots, but they don't grieve well because they don't even recognise some things as a loss. But whatever the loss is, just, just grieve it. The loss of our dog just last week is an obvious one. And just let the tears flow. Just let, him, just let it go. Just, let's just grieve. And the thing about grief is, and you've only got to Google this to prove me right, that grief has stages. And so the first one is just denial. That doesn't mean you deny God and you're, you're lacking faith. It's just, it's just part of grief. And I want to set you free with this because sometimes we get too super spiritual. I shouldn't be feeling like this. What, you shouldn't grieve? What, you shouldn't grieve? Just because you're having a moment of denial? That's grief. What when you're feeling angry? Oh, I shouldn't feel like this, I'm a Christian. Nah, it's, it's part of grief. Is that freeing? You're allowed to deny. You're allowed to be angry. The third part is bargaining. God, if you do this, I'll do that. It doesn't make you a bad. It's just part of grief. Just grieve. Just grieve. Depression. It's okay to feel depressed. But the last one is acceptance. What's not okay is when you stay in those places, when you get stuck in your grief. Do the journey. And hopefully the more you do it, the quicker it happens. You can go through all those stages in a day. Sometimes it may take a bit longer. Some days it may just, you may feel you may through it and then just something happens. I prayed when our dog died. I said, give me, help me to grieve well so I can be strong for my family, particularly the girls, BJ and mum. And got through the first three or four days. But on day three or four, whatever it was, I just had a heavy, sad day. It's okay. I didn't beat myself up. I didn't question my faith. It's okay. And you know what I did? I let God restore me. God loves you and He wants to restore you. Wherever you've messed up, don't let your past rob you of what could be a new start today. Don't let your past rob you of what could be a glorious new way of living in the future. And the last one is simply this. Rejoice in the end game. I shared a little bit on this in week two. But rejoice in the end game. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 13. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. You know, the only thing that makes sense to me about this world is eternity. The only thing that makes sense of this world is eternity. The only thing that makes sense of this world is our forever. Without that, it's very confusing. Why does this happen? And why does that happen? And why don't, it's very confusing. But when you put eternity in, eternity makes sense of earth. Just like university, sorry, work, job, makes sense of university. You know, when you're doing university, what is, what is this for? It doesn't make sense. What am I doing this stupid subject for? It's not what I want to do with my life. But you know what your boss is looking for? The boss is looking for a guy who could show up every day for four years and accomplish something in that four years. 
in a certain time frame. That's employable. What you learn isn't always necessary, isn't always needed. It's not always about that. You may never use some of the things that you learn in university. It's not about that. It's about you sticking at something. It's you finishing something. It's you accomplishing something. That's what your boss wants from you. So if you're in university, hang in there. Don't give up. Don't give in. If you're doing an apprenticeship and, and you're sweeping floors and said, I wanted to be a hairdresser. I didn't want to be a floor sweeper. Hang in there. And when you're hairdressing and when you're doing what you love, it makes sense of all those days when you used to sweep the floor. And when you sat in lectures that were boring and useless and totally trivial and nothing to do with anything you're going to do in the future. I mean, let's be honest, how many of us used algebra this week? Not many. Only weird people like algebra, like Pastor Ashley. He's weird like that. But eternity is the only thing that makes sense of this world. And how we respond to the trials, how we respond to the suffering, how we respond to persecution sets up our eternity. Peter knew that. Peter knew that. And that's why tradition records that Peter having been sentenced to death, had one request. And it wasn't, don't kill me. It was, please don't crucify me in the same manner that you crucified Christ, because I'm not worthy. If you'll permit me one request, would you please crucify me upside down, because I'm not worthy to die like our Lord and Saviour. That's different than get to church every week. Come on. That's different than budgeting and setting aside tenth of our income. That's different than putting your hand up to serving. Come on, church. We're better than that. We have a glorious, beautiful, magnificent, wonderful Saviour. And yes, we're going to celebrate Him at Christmas time, but why wait till then? We have an opportunity right here, right now. Will you stand with me this morning? I want us to just spend a time just worshipping. If something in your heart has been stirred, that's good. But I want it to come out. I want us to give God all the praise. I want us to give God all the honour. I think we were singing well before, but I want to take our worship to a whole another level. And sometimes we just need a fresh perspective to do that. Are you with me? Before we do that, can I just pray? Father, we thank You that Your Word is eternal. That Your Word contains Your heart for humanity. And I pray that through this series, we would be reminded, we would be encouraged to hold our line, to not give up, to not give in but to stand our ground and keep doing what is right. May we find a newfound boldness this Christmas to invite family, to invite friends, to share the good news of Jesus. Most of all, I pray that be no condemnation whatsoever in this place, but Holy Spirit run free amongst us to do what it is You wanna do in our hearts, to bring conviction, strength, 
to bring us steadfastness. And we ask all these things in your precious name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.